Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Holland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the award-winning cloud accounting software loved and trusted by over 80,000 freelancers and small businesses, myself included. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash being freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for writer and editor Sean Meads-Williams. When you're freelance, you get to be in control of making your own money. And rather than wait for someone to say, yes, I will pay you for this, there are so many ways in which you can do it yourself. Freelancing on finances are actually quite difficult. So if you're in control of a little bit of it, it's really beneficial. There is a lot of admin that comes with being a freelancer. And it is my natural happy place to hide from all admin. But when I don't, I instantly feel like I can take on the world. Absolutely my favourite thing about freelancing is that everybody does it differently and everyone's career looks different. Yes, so there is Sean, second guest of season nine, her story coming up very soon indeed and joining the ranks of approaching 200 guests at beingfreelance.com. Remember, it doesn't matter what they do for a living. It's all about the being freelance. So if uh, if you've not heard them all yet, don't just go for the jobs that align with what you do. Go and listen to everyone. You'll find something in there. You really will. Also at the website, you can find videos and articles. There's the mug that you can buy. And importantly, the link through to the community so that you can come and join other like-minded freelancers from around the world. It's such a nice place to be it would be awesome to have you there as well so details are all at beingfreelance.com right now though let's find out what it's like being freelance for this week's guest and that is freelance writer and editor sean meads williams hey sean hi how are you i am good thanks so much for doing this so as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance yes of course so i have actually been a freelance writer for about 12 years now I went freelance when I was 25 after writing for various websites and kind of doing little bits and bobs in my spare time. Um, And then I got offered a freelance job, which turned into another freelance job, as it tends to. And I decided that if I got offered a job that would cover my rent, I would quit my job, which was in advertising sales and paid lovely commission and was secure and lovely um I quit my job without even thinking about it and then that website that I was so inexperienced to be editor of folded in about six months um which left me unemployed with absolutely no idea what to do or how to get a job or how to make it work I mistakenly didn't think I had enough experience to get a staff writing job. So I bugged everybody I knew for work. I sent some terrible pitches out. I really went around being a freelance writer backwards until I started getting some commissions and I built up from there. So how long was it between that, you know, like leaving that your first big freelance job that you thought was going to be you know, a nice, <laughs> always there kind of thing, uh, to, to actually first getting those various projects finally paying off and coming in? It was, I think that first year was incredibly difficult, um, but it was about six months of not really understanding what I was doing. And 
I think I was in a position where my rent in South East London was incredibly cheap and I still had some money from my previous job. So I was 25 and I was an idiot and I didn't necessarily think about how much money I was making because I still had money in the bank. It was really stupid, but it was hard, but I was making something and I didn't quite understand what I was doing. And it's only now when I look back at it that I think actually you you really went around this ass backwards um, and there wasn't any help and there wasn't any guidance. And I didn't know anyone else who was freelance at the time. And it was, yeah, it was a really, really strange time where I'd just taken a leap of faith. And the only reason I did was because I was just a blind optimist at 25 and just figured that it would work out. And I think that optimism is probably a really good thing for a freelancer. Um, but so is budgeting and being good with finances. And I'm better at that now. So <laughs> so like, how many jobs would you need back then per month, for example? So, so you were writing articles for, for what, for websites, for magazines? What kind of stuff were you doing? For both. Um, I had a really great gig at um, a private members club. Um, which used to pay brilliantly as 12 years ago, magazines and websites actually did pay very, very well. So sometimes it would be huge amounts of money, but as is still the case, sometimes you get quiet months. I am a big fan even now of having a steady gig as a freelancer. I'm really bad at pitching if I know my rent depends on it. Whereas if I've got a gig that covers my rent and my bills, I am a really happy freelancer and I am more fun with my pitches and I'm more daring and I jump into things that sound really exciting. I really like having the security, even though I also really like doing my own thing. When you're pitching, do you know the people you're pitching to? Have, have you built relationships with them or is it all cold? It's a little bit of both. Um, sometimes I am pitching completely cold, which is terrifying. To me, it never stops being terrifying. I do know some freelance writers who really enjoy it. Um, I am convinced that someone is at the other end of an email connection just going, who is this idiot? Why have they emailed me? Um, and I think that's <laughs> something that a lot of freelancers really struggle with because we we put so much thought into our work, into our pitches, and it's personal to us. And it's especially personal if, you know, your rent is attached to it. There's, there's a connection that we really want to make. And if you've written a really good pitch and it falls flat, that's really difficult. And I'm really interested in how writers and editors build those relationships. But sometimes I'm just emailing editors that I already know. Sometimes I'm happy to call them. It really does depend on the relationship, but it's always nice to have just one kind of new conversation happening at a time. And sometimes I've instigated that. Sometimes editors come to me. So as that first year came to an end and you hadn't gone back and got a full time job and you were managing to uh, top up what money you had, how, how did it progress from there? How did it evolve? I, I launched my own project. Um, which is something that I'm a huge fan of doing because freelancing has quiet times and it's really nice to do something in those times. Um, I launched a website called Domestic Sluttery, which was one of the first lifestyle blogs in the UK. It was the first website in the 
country to cover interiors and food. If you can imagine such a thing in the swathe of lifestyle websites that there are today, I found myself editor of a team of 12. I wrote a book. It, it really became something huge. And I ran that as it was in that guise until about 2014. And a couple of years ago, we relaunched that as a newsletter. So now I write emails for a living and still run my own projects and have a lot of fun that way. But I think when you're freelance, you get to be in control of making your own money. And rather than wait for someone to say, yes, I will pay you for this, there are so many ways in which you can do it yourself. Well, I feel like we fast forwarded through that (laughs) because... Because at one point there must have been you going, hmm, domesticsluttery.com.net.co.uk. And then the next thing, you were editing 14 people and writing yeah. a book. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so were, you, you, you would, were you doing it in quiet time? Did you put a lot of effort into building it up? How were there suddenly people <laughs> working with you? Was it bringing money in or were you using it as a portfolio? With the questions. A, a bit of all of that. It was actually originally a test blog for a company that I was working for at the time. Um, And I wanted to go with them and say, I've got a new idea. I think you should do this. It works with your portfolio. Um, And then I realized through various internal reasons that it would be really foolish to kind of send it to that company. And I was right, that company folded. And we we just said, actually, this is still a really great idea. Let's jazz it up and put it live. So we jazzed it up and put it live. And people got in touch with me and said, I think this is great. I want to write for it. It was never a huge kind of boon financially, but it did make money and everyone was paid a small amount. And, and it was great. And the newsletter now is myself and a co-writer. And it's a brilliant project that is about kind of women being amazing and independent designers and just it makes your inbox a better place and it's really fun and it's it's now my portfolio when it was making you money was that via advertising advertising and affiliate links as well um big fan of making money through editorial um and i think if you do that very well um it doesn't feel like you're being sold to Having worked in sales for a long time, I know that there's a really fine line. And I think that's that's something that now all of my kind of copywriting experience as a professional and my previous sales background, I think that oddly ties into my work more than I anticipated it ever would. I really thought I was leaving the world of advertising and sales behind. And then it turns out, actually, I'm really good at writing a media pack or selling myself. And suddenly this job has actually become more useful to me than I expected. But I think there are always kind of revenue streams that you can consider. And I see it happening a lot with freelancers now kind of setting up their own newsletters or kind of working on podcasts and things and just wanting to take control of their finances in a way that isn't easy when you're a freelancer and you've got a lot of different accounting departments to work with who aren't necessarily paying you on time and no one's being quite clear freelancing and finances are actually quite difficult so if you're in control of a little bit of it it's really beneficial what made you move from doing it as a website to doing it as a newsletter 
I really wanted control of my own time again. Um, I think running a website is, it's a beast. And the only way to grow that is to keep growing more and keep getting bigger and just throwing more stuff at the same thing. Like websites are just, they get bigger and they get bigger, but the way they get bigger is actually, it doesn't work when you're one person who's quite exhausted. Um, And I really wanted something that I could fit around the rest of my freelancing and the rest of my day and just be a project that I worked on that is a brilliant portfolio and it's still making money and it's still fun and it's still growing. But I write exactly the same amount of content each week and I have a writing partner and we back and forth and we have a really fun time just creating really interesting content that is for the most part completely free of pop-up ads and just that barrage of information that you get when you see a website and I think a lot of people are reading newsletters because they're so much calmer and cleaner and it's a much more intimate way of connecting with an audience to jump into someone's inbox not unlike podcasts I guess where someone is choosing to listen to being freelance or they're doing it for the kids podcast they're listening on their commute and they're going I want to engage with this and I think newsletters are similar has it really helped having a collaborator then it's really fun it's so lovely working with someone who has a very like-minded view and wants to create something great like Laura actually lives in Dundee so we we see each other kind of maybe five six times a year if we're lucky but she was a bridesmaid at my wedding um we won a PPA award at the Scottish Magazine Awards last year so I got to go to Scotland and we got all dressed up and won awards and were very drunk in Glasgow which was a riot um it's it's really it stops the freelancing day being lonely even though she's not sat in an office with me I don't think you necessarily need that um but having a connection having a network as freelancers is a really valuable thing otherwise I think you go a bit a bit mad it's not necessarily good for me to sit in my flat for two days and not leave um but I do it sometimes and it's nice to have someone check in with you and just say, say, you're okay. Do you need to go out and get a cup of tea or something and just kind of keep you in check? <laughs> um, and I think my, it makes my writing better as well. So to rewind, so what happened next after you started Domestic Sluttery as a freelancer? Like, did that have an impact on you getting other work or did they just run alongside each other? It was it was hugely influential for the rest of my career. And I think it still is, actually. Um, we use the newsletter now as a shop window almost for our own work. Um, it's meant that I've been hired to write newsletters for other publications. It's very much an all-encompassing way of saying, look at the work I can do. Um, and that's a really nice thing. And I think Laura, Laura approaches it in the same way as well. It's really nice to have a place where you're your work is there and it's the work that you're proud of. And I know that a lot of editors and a lot of people in the areas that I write are subscribed to Domestic Slattery, which is really cool. Um, but I think, yeah, getting known for being the woman who writes emails or queen of newsletters, as someone once called me, um, it's it's a really nice thing. It's It's a niche that hasn't narrowed down the topics that I write about. So that's a really nice way of working um 
because I cover travel for some clients. I do kind of food and drink for others or write about London or like I jump around a lot of different areas. But if you give me emails, I'm very, very happy there. But domestic slattery isn't the only email that you that you send out as you, right? No, I also send out the media industry newsletter, Freelance Writing Jobs, which goes out every week. Um, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It is a collection of freelance paying part-time writing gigs, and they're all based in the UK. It's a really fun thing to do that sort of happened by accident. Um, I had had a really rough stint as a freelancer for about eight months. I I had to postpone the second year of my MA because I just wasn't making enough money to go back to school. And then when work finally picked up again, as it always does, I suddenly had all of these kind of alerts and job places that I was looking at and all of these freelance jobs were coming in and I couldn't do anything with them. And there isn't a platform for freelance writing gigs in the UK. Um, so I made one because that's what I do. Um, I can't leave well enough alone. And I really, if if there's something that needs doing, I think I, I really have to do it. And I did. And that was over a year ago. And now I help lots of people get jobs and get commissions. And it's a really lovely thing. That's so cool. So it's nice from that personal side of things. But also, it again proves, I guess, to everybody that you do the whole newsletter thing. But also, there's the potential then to have a newsletter sponsor to bring you revenue as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's really useful having a newsletter sponsor. Um, and it's, it is something that I would do anyway. Um, I set up a page on Coffee to get kind of donations after a lot of subscribers were asking for that. So if someone's got a job or a commission, they can buy me a digital coffee. I think I've changed it to cup of tea now. Um, Yeah. Um, And it's really nice when those come in because, I mean, we're not talking kind of tens of thousands of cups of tea each week, but it's personal and it means something. And I, I understand as a freelancer looking for work, how hard that is and I really wanted to make it a little bit easier and a little bit more fun for the freelance writing community because it sucks and it sucks the joy out of it that search is really really hard and it's especially hard every day when that work just isn't coming in and I I really think that the newsletter helps a lot of people with that and every Thursday just makes things a little bit easier for people. You said at the beginning you've been nearly freelance for nearly 12 years. And yet it sounded like one of the toughest years came about a year ago. So I'm wondering what happened in the lead up to that. And then what happened that suddenly made, you called it like a rough stint. So so what suddenly made that so rough? I I don't know. Um, But it it was a feeling that I got across every freelancer I spoke to was just having a tough time. And in the grand scheme of things, actually, I probably wasn't earning much less, but I was self-funding my MA and that meant that while I was being able to eat and pay my rent, I didn't have a spare three grand lying around. So I noticed it from that sense. So it was it was just that that cushion and that buffer zone, which is kind of what I'm talking about with the having that part-time job that pays the gigs, that wasn't there and everything felt like it was a hustle every single day 
and sometimes it is sometimes freelancing is like that and that's great but I don't think I'd ever had that for such a sustained period of time um and it's it's really difficult to see when that's going to flip back um and maybe it will flip back again maybe it won't I think that's that's just something that is the way of freelancing um but now I have a really good project that came out of it and I think that's one of the things that is really good when you're working on your own stuff um is to kind of focus on that when you can't search for jobs anymore because there are really only so many job applications you can write in a day there are so many pitches you can do in a day and sometimes you need a break from that and if you have your own projects as well it's really nice to at least still be creative and focus on something that's really yours and good and makes you remember why you're doing all of this work in the first place yeah like that so you you said that you wrote a book when you did domestic sluttery but you're writing another one at the moment aren't you I am writing another book um but it is not a done deal yet it's a book called the pajama myth which is the freelance writer's survival guide um I say it's not a done deal yet because I'm actually writing it with unbound and they are the brilliant wonderful crowdfunding publisher which means that I have a crowdfunding total to hit before that book is created and made and goes out into the world and it's going really well it's on target and everything is great um and I really hope that freelance writers will find something really valuable in this book I'm basically writing the book I wish I had when I'd started freelancing because as we've already discussed I really went about it in a stupid backwards way so I've learned a lot about getting it wrong um and I really want to talk about kind of the ways to not do that but also I don't want it just to be my voice um I feel like that would be incredibly boring I've one talked to kind of a lot of editors and case studies with other freelancers and really create a book that is valuable and has a lot of other experiences in it because my experience as a freelance writer is very different to everybody else's um it's absolutely my favorite thing about freelancing is that everybody does it differently and everyone's career looks different. Hmm. So, so how does that work with Unbound? So, so they're an actual publisher, but they only publish things which have been crowdfunded? Would that be right? Yes. I hear Unbound talk, talked a lot about as kind of a Kickstarter for books, which I can understand the comparison, but I think they go a little bit further as a publisher than that. So I pitched the idea to them. Um, That's what I was doing a week before my wedding, which was poor timing on my part. Um, So (laughs) I I had a meeting with them about seven days before I got married. The contract arrived just before I went on my honeymoon. It was a roller coaster of a week. So I don't have a deadline for funding, unlike kind of a Kickstarter support project I would hope there was kind of a certain time I would love to have this book out next year but they they are with you kind of every step of the way so they work on the design they work on the cover they work on making sure the rewards that you're offering people are really strong so a lot of my rewards are aimed at the freelance community so I will work on pitching with you as a reward or I can kind of work on kind of freelance advice but similarly if you're not a freelancer and you want to support I will make you brownies 
Um, it's a very popular reward because my brownies <laughs> are really nice. Um, and there's an option to go book shopping with me and stuff like that. So there's some really fun stuff in there as well. And it's, it's supposed to be inspiring and get a kind of community behind you and rather than just putting a book out into the world. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm all over these brownies, I've got to say. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, at the heart of that book is getting right for other people for things that you got yeah. wrong. So I'm, I'm just wondering what some of those, you know, is, I always finish this podcast by saying, you know, if you could tell your younger self one thing, but it sounds like you've got lots of things. Like what, what, what were the things that you in particular felt you got wrong and and how you fix them? I, I was threatened with bankruptcy by HMRC. Um, so I wouldn't do that again. Was I meant to ease into that and just go with something like, oh, I tell you. <laughs> so if you're listening around the world, HMRC is the UK's tax, um, the, the government's tax people, basically. None of us like to see HMRC on an envelope. God, what happened? I didn't have enough money to pay my tax. I think I took it with a pinch of salt in the same way that you can occasionally pay your phone bill a little bit late. Um, and I know, I know I was an idiot, Steve. I was an absolute, absolute idiot, but I really hate that no one teaches you how to be a freelancer or in my case, an mm. adult, it seems. I wish, <laughs> I wish, I feel like there's a lot more advice for young people around finances now, but I wish budgeting and tax was taught in schools instead of those stupid PSE lessons we have. Um, because it's so important. I don't understand why this isn't part of business studies. So I would I would really address tax and finances in general because I'm a much happier freelancer. Now I know how much money I'm bringing in and how much money is going out and just where I am at with everything each week because it means that I can plan to go on holiday. When you know when you can schedule in time off, that helps you kind of remain happy I would tell my past self to take more time off I think which seems counterintuitive as a freelancer with a lot of different projects and just someone who works way too much but I am a happier freelancer when I am nice to myself I think a lot of the time we kind of fall into the trap of going well time is literally money as a freelancer and when you kind of pull back on that I think good time is money and time well spent is money and kind of weighing up the fact that you cannot be a good freelancer if you've been working for 14 15 16 hours a day you can't do it you will be slightly below average at best and that's not why you got into the game mm. How, what did you particularly put in place to fix your finances? Um, my very excellent husband created a freelance spreadsheet for me, which will tell me exactly what money I am making, when it is going to be paid and how hard I'm working. There is a lot of admin that comes with being a freelancer and it is my natural happy place to hide from all admin and all scary letters and just ignore <laughs> it and just hope that it deals with itself, which is an awful thing as a freelancer. But when I don't, I instantly feel like I can take on the world. 
and just say, I am good at this. I'm an excellent adult. I'm a brilliant freelancer. Yes, I've got this. I can now do that really scary pitch. And it just, it honestly makes me better at the rest of my job because I really feel like if I can do that horrible, scary thing, then I can pitch that editor I've been really nervous about pitching or I can write that difficult article or kind of tackle that feature that's not quite working. It's the hardest, absolute hardest thing for my own mental well-being and my own anxiety and mental health. And yet it's the thing that has the biggest impact. And it's never as difficult as you think it is. Yeah. For all of the talk of freelancing that I do, um, I have had a couple of stints of not freelancing in the 12 years. And I had a job for about eight months that was full time. Um, and obviously after that, I'm just like, well, I'm not paying on account for next year because I'm in a full-time job. Um, so I really reduced my payments on account. And obviously the year after where I'd suddenly been freelancing for the whole year, it was thousands of pounds and I just hadn't taken that into account. And it's, it's a real shock to the system. Um, and it's incredibly difficult. There needs to be more just more help for freelancers around tax there just has to be so you mentioned going for a little while into a full-time role did you carry on freelancing on the side of that or um not not the whole time but that was where Laura and I started working again so my writing partner on DS and for my publishing company Gadabout Publishing we'd work together on the domestic lottery website but we had spent a lot of time back and forth since then commissioning one another and working together on huge projects. Um, so without that stint, I don't think I'd have gone freelance again. But while I was, I really hated the job that I ended up in. Um, it was incredibly tricky for a lot of reasons. But I did start a newsletter on the side that point where newsletters and tiny letters especially became quite big and I got one in my inbox one day and I was like I could do this I could do this really cool thing that I could set up in 20 minutes and I could do something fun with my lunch break right now so I did it and I set up a tiny newsletter and that was without even realizing it a total career changer for me um and it suddenly became this very much the highlight of my week very quickly. And it was called the Friday Wishlist, which was a column that used to be on domestic stuttery. It then became something I tried as a Twitter thread. It was literally a list of nice things I liked with a little bit of humor thrown in, which sounds so kind of simple. And I think that's why people liked it. But with the use of affiliate links and kind of enough subscribers, that paid for a huge chunk of my MA. And it made me realise how much I love the format. So It's funny how these things work out, isn't it? One thing I have to touch on, you just sort of like, you know, uh, accidentally dropped in there at some point. My publishing company, uh, Gadabout Publishing, I I think. So I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Where where did that fit into all of this? What's that? When we relaunched Domestic Lottery, I think we realised that it's a really fun tongue-in-cheek name. Um, but when we wanted to register as a limited company, which is a minefield in itself, we really wanted a company that could be all-encompassing of a lot of things. Um, and now we any kind of newsletter projects that we do 
as the company, uh, we run through Gadabout, which means two tax returns. But it's really nice having a kind of an overarching company to say, actually, we do this for a lot of different companies. So Laura and I also write the newsletter for the Simple Things magazine. Um, and we've worked for kind of other fashion brands as well. Um, and it's that's all kind of under Gadabout. And maybe, hopefully, other newsletters in the future. Um, it leaves us a lot more open to that than just kind of having one name. Yeah. So you trade as a freelancer, as Sean Meads-Williams, yeah. as a sole trader, as would be in the UK, as an individual. Yeah. But you're also the director of Gadabout Publishing Limited, along with your collaborator. For, and But that's purely, mostly anyway at the moment, for the newsletter stuff. Yeah, we... We have both and deal with that. And every freelancer, I think, does what is right for them. I know a lot of freelancers who are now VAT registered. I know some people who do run their businesses as a company. And I think they are all decisions that are so individual to every single freelancer. And what is right for one won't necessarily be right for you. Um, Yeah, it's really tricky to kind of navigate that path and I think it changes as well just because I'm a sole trader now doesn't necessarily mean that that will be the case kind of 10 years down the line I think one of the things I like about freelancing is that you get that flexibility and you can change and do what feels right for you at the time I think that's really important Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie. And let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Sean? Fact one, I am a ballerina in my spare time. Fact two, I wrote my first novel when I was a teenager after I ran off to Spain with 60 euro in my pocket. Fact three, I am a grade eight pianist. Ooh, wow. Okay. Grade eight pianist. When did you reach grade eight? Was that something you did in your youth or recently? Oh, no, it was definitely in my youth. Not for your old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It was when I was very young. I was very, very good at piano and then realised that it was something that I just didn't love. I can't remember what you said there. You're a ballerina in your spare time? Not on stage, um, but have been learning the ballet for about a year now oh it's only something you started recently yeah is it just like you and like a load of (laughs) six-year-olds that would be amazing i can picture that um no there is a lot of adult ballet classes landing pirouettes badly in my case at saddler's wells theater oh wow the big proper ballet theater proper ballet theater and you wrote a novel. I mean, writing a novel. Okay, that was cool. But but the interesting thing about writing the novel was that you, you ran away to Spain with no money. Was that it? I did, yeah. There was 60 euro in my pocket. Um, I just figured I'd get a job when I got there. How old were you? 18. And how did that go? Better than you'd think. I did indeed get a job. Um, and I stayed there for about three months. It didn't, it didn't go well to begin with. Um, there was a couple of nights spent sleeping on the beach. But it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what was the name of the novel? Oh my God, it sounds like a lie, but I can't remember. <laughs> sounds oh. like something, but we're talking 18 mm, years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds like I'm making that up. I really can't remember. All of these sound utterly believable. So we've got ballerina, 
novel and running away to Spain. I mean, that sounds so true because, to be honest, if you made it up, you could have just gone with the novel bit or you could have gone with the running away to Spain <laughs> bit. Why combine the two? Like, that feels like it was true. I've got to say as well, I'm glad it was 60 euro because when you first said it, I thought you went to Spain with a 60-year-old. <laughs> Great. I mean, grade eight is very good to only then realize you don't really love the piano though like, i managed to figure that out at grade five <laughs> ballerina i mean there's classes for everything these days so why shouldn't adults learn ballet okay i'm gonna say you you're not a ballerina i am a ballerina <gasps> i've been doing ballet classes every week for about a year i'm not very good steve but i i love oh. it it is a thing that I decided to do when I realized all of my hobbies involved staring at a screen and I wanted to do something that got me out of my head. Having a hobby that you can't monetize is a really great thing as a freelancer, I think. Um, and there is no one who's ever going to pay me to do ballet. Well, so you say now. <laughs> oh, no, I will be saying that still in 10 years. I am not great. In that case, much as it pains me to say it because I really want it to be true, the novel and running away to Spain isn't true. It is true. It is true. <gasps> I am not a great actor. <laughs> I have clearly lost my touch. <laughs> Can I tell you a thing about the grade eight piano? This was a lie that I told people at school once. Um, and I had to keep up the pretense for the whole of school. I think I said it to impress a boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was because I managed to... Um, I changed the key of something that we were playing in a music lesson. So everyone thought I was just magically amazing. And I just said it. And once you've said something like that, you stuck with it. <laughs> no wonder I didn't get it right. <laughs> that is a lie you've been telling for 18 years. Feels good to get it off my chest. Listen, Sean, thank you so much uh, for talking to us. Go to beingfreelance.com. There will be links through to everything that Sean is up to. Well, if, if it's not been finished yet, of course, you might be listening to this years into the future. Uh, links through to the pyjama myth crowdfunding thing and the freelance writing jobs and various other emails domestic sluttery and stuff so all of those links will be at beingfreelance.com and uh, you can find sean on twitter and so on and so forth so beingfreelance.com while you're there as well check out the other episodes make sure you've hit subscribe join the community as well come find us everything you need is at beingfreelance.com and if you can do me a solid favor one would be to leave a review wherever you get your podcast but the other would be just to tell a human about it hey if you have your own newsletter maybe add a little bit into it so yeah if you could just tell other freelancers that this exists then that would be amazing but for now sean thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you thanks so much for having me steve